Hello and welcome to Happy Place. I'm Fern Cotton and this is the show that gives you permission to define yourself through your own eyes, not other people's. Today I get to chat to a former colleague of mine, it's Annie Mack. People could not see me, the public persona of me, as someone who would write a book like this. They were like, where's the memoir? Where's the music? What? We, we, we can't compute this. And I felt angry and frustrated at the time because I was like, no, but this, this is me. Why can't you see that? It's okay to want to go out and dance like a lunatic and listen to really loud music, but also to want to express yourself and write sad stories. You can do both. In April 2021, Annie announced that she'd be leaving Radio 1 after 17 years of broadcasting. I actually had this chat with Annie about a month before her last show, so there was a lot of anticipation and unknowns about what no longer being on the station would feel like for her. But what an exciting moment to get to redefine yourself as the person you want to be. We don't all necessarily have to quit the job we've been doing for decades to do that, but there's a lot in here about how we can all do a bit of reclaiming our own identities on our own terms. Very important. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalised card from Moonpig. Add your favourite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com All right, let's do it. Here's the show. Annie. Hello, Fern Cotton. It is so nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I I can't think the last time I saw you in the flesh. Oh, God. I I would not be able to tell you that. We spoke on the phone a few months ago. But I haven't, I cannot remember the last time I saw you in the flesh, babe. I can't. I was actually thinking yesterday, what year we must have met in? And I'm, I don't know, I'm taking a guess at like, 2005? Yeah. When did you start Radio 1? I think it was then. I think I was doing like 4am on a Friday. The old <laughs> so get, I probably didn't get, see you very the much. old on-air miles. They like to do that. It's put you kind of oh, at it was really mad rough. hours. Yeah, to learn your trade. Yeah. It was not good. I mean, I, obviously I was in my early 20s. So there was a few occasions where I sort of came straight from a bar and then just was like, might as well go in now. It's four. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, but it was. I was thinking about that time because I felt like such an imposter mm. coming into this world where, you know, I was from TV and you were like these amazingly cool, <laughs> awesome DJs who kind of knew the language and were going to loads of festivals. And I was just, I felt so dorky. 
And, you know, you are one of, like, the original cool DJs. Well, you always will be. But I just remember that feeling of, I am such an imposter. I don't belong here. (laughs) That's horrible. (laughs) That must have been horrible. I'd been on air a year at that point. So I was still very much a newbie as a DJ. But I had worked there as an assistant producer for two years before then. So I was kind of firmly entrenched in what we called the dark side of Radio 1 at the time, which which was like the late night shows that you know had all these crazy eccentric brilliant people um so i was i was i was in that world and loving life absolutely loving loving life i mean we were Mm. so lucky that era of radio and i don't know if this is just me having very rose tinted glasses but it felt really special because it's before sure it was before social media it was before algorithms and music being dictated to it was just Mm. You know, you or I were lucky enough to be able to go, I like this song, I'm going to play it. And it was kind of that simple. Absolutely, it was that simple. And also, I mean, radio had an immense power then. You know, there's so much more competition now for radio in terms of streaming, other platforms, YouTube, all of that. Now, back then, that was everything. Like, that was making and breaking careers. Probably best not to think about it at the time because I think it could be an overwhelming responsibility when you're kind of aware of what those choices can mean for people. But yeah, it had an enormous influence. Mm, I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel really privileged to have been part of some bands and artists' journeys because you, although it's them doing all the hard work, you feel like you were a real key stepping stone for them to make their way to following their dreams and to doing all that they want to do. And I I feel very lucky. Which artists stand out for you that you know that you've helped along the way? Um, I think Disclosure always are top of the list because I remember booking them when they weren't old enough to get into clubs and um, bringing them on tour with us and playing their stuff on the radio. So they're, they're a big one. Who else? Like Robin as well, kind of played from the very start. And then, I mean, so many bands since I've been doing the Future Sound show, um, loads of bands there as well. I'm, do you know what, Fern? I have, I have to, now that I've got like a month left of radio, I have to do so much work in remembering like I I need to I need to email every producer I've ever had I need to ask what happened what were their (laughs) highlights what did they remember about their 10 years like producing me because it's all just a big blur I I, I really need to sit and be able to have answers to those questions that you just asked like well it's because you haven't stopped you haven't stopped so you know you don't get to take a breath and go yeah oh that was good or that was challenging or you know you just because it's daily you're just Mm. on this treadmill and you don't get off it it's sort of wonderfully relentless yeah it is um it is and I think um it's going to be a really interesting transition coming off it and 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 I'm really excited about what it will feel like and I'm not naive I know that there's going to be lots of feelings of missing out of missing people of missing working with teams missing talking to young people I really enjoy that you know and obviously just missing being in a studio listening to two hours worth of loud music every day so there's lots of elements of it that I will miss but I think it will be really good for me to not be on the radio for a while, having done it for 17 years, week in, week out, just to actually step back, step off that relentless treadmill and be like, Whew, OK, what did that mean? How, you know, there must be something 
when it comes to putting yourself out there into people's homes, into people's lives, as you say, relentlessly, day after day, that must do something to you. And I have no idea what it must, what it does, because I'm still in it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I you mean, know maybe more I've me. got a tiny bit of insight. Yeah. I mean, I was at Radio One for, you know, half the time you was there for like 10 years. But I, I went through, and, you know, everyone's process will, of course, be different. But I mm. think I definitely went through a period of obviously having FOMO, you know, going. I was a part of this huge machine and now I'm not. And does that make me, you know, less important in, you know, all the ego-based stuff. All the ego-based stuff was coming up, my insecurities. I'm not part of that world anymore. And, you know, how do I... And then I don't feel like that at all now. I just feel so glad that I was. And now I'm part of something completely different. And I'm really grateful for that. But the thing that is liberating is exactly what you've just talked about, is removing yourself from having to put yourself out there every day, as much as that is a total honour to be in sure. people's lives every day. I think the bit that you probably don't have a bearing of right now is the pressure that is on you every day because you're mm. so used to it. And mm. I got so used to it. You're you Once you've faded up that mic, you're in cars and homes and shops and airports or whatever it is. And and you you just get used to that pressure. And I felt a huge weight lift leaving and sort of then working out what my voice was without having to edit or dilute or mould it into what it had to be for that job. Right. So I think you'll feel, I'm sure you're already starting to feel it, a sense of real liberation. Yeah, yeah. I think think it's that. It's kind of seeing the world from outside of the BBC bubble and when you're in the BBC I think you can feel like that is the centre of the world and I think you know my husband T he left the BBC a couple of years ago and he always talks about just this kind of this sphere of music and even within the realms of, of Radio 1 the, the the music that you're touching there's 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 so many there's it's so limited actually what radio one covers because it's a pop station you know it, it, you know yeah. so it's just the idea of there being this whole other world of music to discover and listen to and enjoy and then also just as as you've done the idea of being able to build your own identity beyond it and um and craft it in a way that you want it to be crafted and, and control that and 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 own that. Mm. I mean, of course, any change is shit scary, even ones that you know are really positive and, and meant to be, because it's change. That's the whole nature of change. But I think the really exciting bit, and this is the bit that I always try and lean into, because I'm, mm. I'm quite up for jumping ship and I'm quite up for being scared. I quite like the feeling of not knowing I don't like getting anywhere near complacent and the bit that's so exciting and we can do this in any part of our life not just work is when space opens up and there's literally nothingness like you it could be after you break up with somebody or a friendship ends or a toxic dynamic or whatever a job or moving home when there's that space it's so scary but so exciting and I think our inclination is to try and fill it immediately right, right but actually that's so amazing having just like you're free falling for a bit and where am I gonna 
end up where am i gonna gonna land next and yeah and also i don't even know still now and it's fine yeah that's exactly where i'm at like i've literally made the jump and i'm free falling and i'm and i'm very much enjoying the sensation of movement and change and unpredictability it makes you feel alive it's thrilling and you know there's a privilege to it of course being able to make that decision to leave a job that's secure in that way and I, I absolutely will be coming back to radio in some way. But what I need to figure out is how and what kind of radio do I want to come back to? And and that is why the space matters. And I'm one of those people that is relentlessly a space filler. Like, yeah, I, babe, on a Sunday, I have to, like, if there's nothing planned, I'm like, well, I think what I'll do, I'm going to go and get the paper and then I'm going to get coffees and I'm going to come back and then I'm going to read the paper. <laughs> and then I think I'll take the boys to the park and then I'll come back and then I'll see about that. And then I'll make lunch, but I'll go to the farmers. Look, everything has to be planned. And it's like, yeah. my husband is the opposite. He's like, just chill. So I've had to learn <laughs> how to relax from him. I come from a family of doers, like my, they can't s- sit still. So this space thing is really interesting for me to try and navigate and to try and just allow it to exist. And that's what I'm doing. I'm creating space. I spoke to this woman in um, in Northern Ireland in, in an interview and she I loved how she explained her her kind of interpretation of what I was doing. She's like, it's like when you move the sofa around the living room, like you, you're, try, <laughs> you're trying to find a different corner. For, you know what I mean? It's, you're, just, yeah. you're just shifting things around like it's just trying to find a different way of work fitting for me, you know, and there's a wonderful sense of empowerment in doing that. Like when you are steering your own ship and you are making these choices and you might not know where the destination ends, but the fact of you, you know, being captain of that ship feels good. It does feel right. I also wouldn't underestimate your 17 years of being on air Um, impacting how you see time because if you look at your show which is two hours long and you've got to hit the news to the second you've got to everything Mm. on in radio and I think you know for people that have not stepped inside a radio station before it all sounds really relaxed and that's because you're such a brilliant DJ you make it sound like you're just breezing through it but when you're in that chair you're literally on adrenaline fueled like just a train of adrenaline because you're going right this song has to end there and I have to back time that and this link has to be 30 Mm. seconds and you're working to the second Mm. so of course it's scary to then be outside of that structure where you're like what does time even mean? <laughs> so, you really know, I can just point. do what I like with it. It's a really good point. I feel like I have this innate skill now, as you say, just from being someone who's been on the radio for a million years, of being able to just tell time without looking at a clock or a yeah, watch. You like, can feel it. I can feel time. I know that we've got 10 minutes and, you know, it's it, and thinking in increments of time always ahead and like forward planning all the time saying well we need to do this now so that this will be fine for later and all of that you're so right it must come from just being like it has to instinctively (laughs) from having to think in that way yeah it's so subliminal now because it's just part of the machinery like the tools that you use when you're at radio you you're a walking clock you get it (laughs) so that's going to slightly dissipate hopefully and you can just not care (laughs) get the watch off Go with the flow, eat lunch when you fancy it. It's going to be great, Annie. I'm so, I'm so thrilled for you. And, you know, we talked about this on the phone, not mm. to talk about anything too private, but we had a big chat about this because 
I was really thrilled for you and I'm all for, you know, as you say, it's a total privilege to be able to jump ship and, and move jobs. But I think if there is a little opening and we all know when we get that itch for any change, not even career based, but as I've said, in relationships, friendships, geographically where you're at, when you get that itch and you know it's time for change, it's so hard to ignore. And obviously, you know, your podcast is called Changes. You're, <laughs> you're so aware of this subject matter, but that itch... You cannot ignore it. it. And it gets louder if you yeah. try and suppress it. Yeah, 100%. I felt that. I'd been feeling it for a while, to be honest. And for me, it, w- it was always going to happen. It was just a matter of when. And there was a lot of conversations as to how and when I could leave and contracts. And and in the end, it was just, I, I'm, I'm really impulsive. Like I just have, I get a notion and just want to do it now. Um, And I was really trying to be sensible about when I should leave Radio 1. And then my youngest kid would start school in September. And for me, that was like, there was pressure to stay on a little bit. And I I kept thinking, maybe if I stay to the end of the year and stuff. And then I just checked myself. I was like, I don't want to not be there for him when he starts school. I want to be there in the evenings. Like, it's that simple. So that him do, like that kind of milestone made it really easy for me just to be like, boom, that's it. It's on. Yes, it's sooner than maybe I had intended or whatever, but this is the perfect, like, punctuation. This is the full stop and it's there and I'm just going to take it. And also, you know, because this has been on your mind for some time, it's not like you've just gone, right, okay, I'm I'm feeling impulsive, I've got to leave. You you've had plans to expand how you express yourself and your creativity yeah. for for years now. You know, you enrolled in a writing course. You mm. you knew that this was a, another challenge that you wanted to take on. Um, you, you felt that pull to be creative in a, in a whole new domain. Mm. And you wrote your first novel. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it's important to see the backdrop of leaving Radio 1, having written a novel and knowing it yeah. was being published and also starting this podcast. So I kind of spent a few years after turning 40 trying these new things I'd always wanted to try on top of doing everything else. Yeah. So there was two years of being obscenely busy, doing a lot of things, but maybe not very well, which is my worst favourite feeling. Well, I doubt that, but I know that feeling, but I bet no one would notice. Yeah, I had a lot of amazing teams and people around me that were helping me. But, you know, we ran a big music conference in London. We did our festival in Malta. You know, I was on air every day. There was, it was just, there was just so much going on. And then I, then I did these two things on top. But once I started that creative process, that has, I mean, that, if you think about all the change that I've been through in the last few years, and there's been a lot, the biggest kind of most revelatory change has been that shift from being someone who's worked around art, put art together, curated art, put music together on DJ sets and radio shows, put lineups together for festivals, but never actually created it. So it's that shift from curation to creation that has been an absolute, like, head explosive like epiphany because I have just loved it and it's like coming home it's like opening Mm. a door and coming home I used to do it when I was a kid I played music I wrote I did all this stuff and I just got caught up in the maelstrom of life and had this amazing job around art but not actually in the middle of it and, and making it and that's all I want to do now that's it it's it's decided it feels amazing does it feel more exposing because like you say you know when certainly when you're in that radio seat you are 
you're creating, but you're talking about music, you're talking about artists. The focus isn't so much on the DJ, that that pressure to, to keep the show running is, but the themes that you're discussing are not always related to you. But now with a book, with a novel, that is your perception of life. That is your yeah. expression of life. It's your interpretation of, of what emotion means in whatever way you want to portray it. Does that feel more exposing? Totally. It is terrifying. Yeah. I was so <laughs> scared before I put this book out because... I was making myself so vulnerable. And, uh, you know, again, it's been so interesting how I have viewed the book because of the entrenched way that I think about art, like with music. Will I play it? Will I not? You know, it's all that I kept thinking about the book. Is it good enough? I don't think it's good enough. I don't think it's good. People are going to hate it. But I think the very act of that question is not the more I've kind of uh, explored it and tried to kind of find an answer to it. There's no answer. When you write a book, it belongs to other people as soon as it's out and it's their opinion and it's all subjective. And for me, I've just realized now that it's just about how I feel when I make it, when I created it. And the feeling has been so incredible, so thrilling, so exhilarating of kind of immersing yourself in this world that is your world, this secret world that didn't exist yesterday and exists today. Like I've always found like music magic, the idea of going into a studio and then coming out at the end of the day with a piece of music. And that's what writing is. It's the same, you're, you're, you know, you're creating this world. So I just, yeah, I just, I just, as long as I can keep doing that friend, I'm, I'm I'm the happiest I can be. It's so beautiful to hear. I mean, also that feeling of uncertainty, which I'm rather familiar with when it comes to writing. Like, is I go through this cycle of I'm loving it, I'm writing, it's all pouring out, and then I get to the edit, I hate it, this is the worst <laughs> thing ever, no one's going to like this. And then by the time it's published, I'm just shitting myself, and I'm like, full circle, I don't even know what this is anymore. Yeah. But I think, again, neither of us should underestimate what we'd been through before at radio, where your feedback is instant. You are in a loop right. of feedback yeah. on air. You're you're talking, you're getting text messages, you're on Twitter, you know, whatever the feedback is, it's there and then and you can morph and change the show in that moment. And you know if if you're on the right kind of path to making the show what it should be. And when you're writing, it's like I literally have no clue. There's, and I might yeah. not even after it's been released. I do not know. And again, that is letting go. It, Terrifying. It's so interesting, that point, isn't it? It's like, yeah. and writing is this concrete thing. You have to put it out in the world and you can't change it. It's gone. No. And it's like, no. and you're right. You know, you've had feedback from maybe a few people, trusted people, but you, there is no, you have no idea how it will be received. And on the radio, same with DJing. It's like you can mould or change anything. It. Yeah. Yeah. So that it's really interesting, the, the kind of difference. And also book writing is just, the whole process is so slow. Like as an impatient, <laughs> impulsive person, I and when they when they told me in the publishing company, like it was September 2019 and they were like, right, it will probably come out spring 2021. I was like, what? That's yeah. a year and a half away. Like anything can happen. A global pandemic happened. It's like <laughs> yes. the world could turn up. So like, what the fuck? I might not want to release this book then. But um, it's I've I've had to learn a whole new kind of way of 
of, of working and a whole new kind of system in my head of expectations of how things happen, when things happen and the speed of when things happen. I had to slow down, basically. <laughs> yeah, because it's a real commitment, isn't it? It's like, you know, you are, you're committing thoughts and words that are out there forever, whereas radio... Because it's so fast paced and because you're on every day, it's ephemeral. You know, you, you're on to the next day, then yeah. you're on to the next day. And this is like one body of work that sits there. And there is an element of, you know, that being shit scary, but but sort of wonderful. So look, let's talk about the book, which I right. absolutely loved reading. I should have said this right at the start. I absolutely loved reading it. It's such a beautiful story. And it it contains so much because there's that curiosity around motherhood but there's a deep element of pain in there with loss and Mm. rejection and abandonment and it's just it's a very sort of complex emotional book what what pulled you towards those themes what made you want to concentrate on I guess you know how diverse motherhood can be Mm. but also just complex family relationships so first of all I'm so happy you enjoyed it thank you and Here's the thing. Right. I I wanted to write a book. I knew I wanted to write something, but I didn't have this story burning inside me that I had to get out. The story arrived in the process of writing. Oh, wow. So I started with a scene and then the, the, the book kind of spiderwebbed out from that scene. Certain characters came more easily to me, so I focused on them more. And then kind of it was like I was discovering the characters as I wrote and you'd go back the next day and read what you've written and you'd be like whoa okay you did that wow all right and then it's it was literally like that it was and I as I was writing I was like is this okay like is it okay that I'm writing a novel where I don't know how it's going to end for these characters and then I read this book by Stephen King called On Writing where he talked about how every one of his books starts with a scene and then just spider webs out. And that made me feel so much better about myself because I had, I'm still a complete novice and uh, I had no blueprint for how to do this. So um, it was really comforting to know that there is different ways of writing novels and, and it, it, you don't have to have it all planned out. Again, impulse person, not very good at strategizing like long-term, like just, I want to do something now. So I just literally started and put pen to paper. The themes, like when I read back the draft, the first draft, I was, I was like, where the fuck did this come from? You've written, (laughs) you've written the bleakest book, Annie. Like what, (laughs) what the, you know, you've written this really dark book, as you say, Mm. about addiction and loss and grief and, and all of this stuff. And the more I talk about it, the more I think that maybe unconsciously the book was some sort of a reaction to the last 17 years of my life being that person who is front and center when it comes to dance music and kind of the the kind of surface level euphoria happy happy joy joy that comes with you know friday nights and the kind of uplifting atmosphere of that i think when it came to me writing something really true to me there was all this darkness that needed to get out that I've never been able to express in my public persona, I suppose. There's been kind of relentless, relentless, happy, happy, joy, joy because of, you know, and listen, I love that. I'm not, you know, trying to denigrate that in any way, but there was definitely something that needed to get out that was more kind of around the the darker sides of of life, I guess. Well, we're never one thing, are we? And it, you become, I think, when you're in 
front of lots of people, you can become to them two dimensional in the sense that you are this one fixed thing. Sure. You are uplifting, you are joy, whatever. And I, I mean, I certainly experienced exactly what you've just talked about. I was, you know, a kids TV presenter for a large portion of my sure. career as a teenager being like, yay, here's a dog <laughs> and here's a cartoon. And it was all, you know, so uplifting. And, and you know, at first when I talked about having had this very large, bleak, depressive episode, people were sort of in disbelief because Mm. I was just this one thing and I was the person Mm. that would say good morning to everybody and play music and lark about. And that feels like a small part of who I really am. That's so not the bigger picture. The bigger picture is way more complex and undulating and all those things. So I think it's so healthy to explore all Mm. corners of who we are. And I think I got really used to only doing the sunshine bit. And I was really scared of looking at the dark stuff. I was terrified of looking at it. And then there was a point where I was forced to. So that was obviously one of my big life lessons. Like, nope, it's out there all the time. There is always going to be light and shade. There's always going to be shit stuff happening. There's always going to be people in pain, injustice, Mm. all that stuff. And you can't ignore it we can choose where we put our focus in a in a mm. healthy way but i think exploring that other side to life is imperative for, for us to have a sort of fully integrated experience of life i guess and how did it feel for you when you when you started to speak publicly about that other side of who you are i see what you're doing here you're interviewing me i mean that <laughs> Sorry, um, sorry. I, <laughs> you know what? No, know. we're absolutely fine with it. I, um, it was, it was terrifying and also, I guess, liberating. But I just, I was just scared of judgment. That's what I was, you know, I was mm. fearing mm. being judged. But I'm so over that now. I, re- I feel each week, even recording this podcast, I feel more and more totally comfortable talking about that stuff than I would doing, you know, an item on a radio show or a TV show that I'm not Mm. fully invested in. I would way rather talk about the nitty gritty and the things that are still a bit uncomfortable um, because it just feels genuine and it feels like I'm just being me. I I don't know if I was 100% me on the radio. I don't know if you can be, can you? Yeah, it's interesting that, you know... um... How much of yourself can you give? I feel like I am the most I like. I, I feel like I am the most me I I can be on the radio at the moment, just because of longevity and I feel like I I give the most of me that I can. But you can never give all of it because by the very nature of what you're talking about, you know, that's why I started a podcast because I wanted to talk about things that were beyond music and life and our choices and all the dark shit, as you know, as you said. So with music, I mean, I do, I try, you know, when I speak to people on the show, I'm always that person that's like, but where did this song come from? Like, what did, you know, trying to get to the deep shit. And I always like to talk about the lyrics and stuff, but there is a limit, you know, and there's, there's a time limit. There's, there's, there's a limit to how far you can go with people. So you're as genuine as you can possibly be on the radio. But I don't think I ever got to that place. I don't think I, I think it was more to do with age with me. I hadn't reached an age where I was comfortable being me, whereas now I'm, I'm totally comfortable yeah, being exactly. me and that's yeah. good and and I guess you know this is what you're doing with your writing and, and one of the themes that I'm I'm so intrigued as to how you right. sort of started unpicking it is looking at motherhood and um and this isn't just about 
having had kids yourself. This is about how you view your mother. And this could go for anyone out there who's got a mother figure, a stepmother, you know, whoever it is in their life that, that has held that position. It's so interesting when you get to a certain point of life and you see your own parents as human beings. Sure. It's a, a strange moment where they're not just the mum or the dad or the mother figure, father figure or carer, whoever it is that's brought you up. You see their flaws, their weaknesses, as well as the strengths that you might have recognised more easily mm. growing up. How did you use that sort of um, angle when you were looking at motherhood? Because it seems like that was of great interest to you during the book. Yeah, I mean, the book is kind of, it's these, these kind of parallel journeys of a mother who's only ever thought about other people, finally having to confront who she is. And then her son, TJ, who is inherently selfish, but, you know, loving, absolutely adores his mum, but has never really thought of her beyond being the mum that's there in the house. Who we don't know at that age, do we? Absolutely not, as a teenager. And then him being being forced to confront the fact that she did stuff when he wasn't around. And like, who who were her friends? And what what was she doing, you know, when she was at work all day? And who who was in her phone? And, you know, just seeing her as a human being beyond the orbit of him. And I found that a really kind of interesting journey to go down. And yeah, I guess... The book's set in Belfast and my mom is from Northern Ireland and she is the one who brought me, not brought, well, yes, physically brought me to Queen's University to, a, to do a, an application through clearing. Queen's University is, is in Belfast and she went there. I, I wanted to do a course in Dublin, didn't get in. She suggested, why don't you try Queen's through clearing? Let's go up there. And, and we drove up there and we did it. And I, that's where I spent three years of the most kind of transformative three years of my life. You know, I was that university cliche where I kind of went in very much a kid and came out just with a much stronger idea of who I was and what I wanted out of life. And so I think unconsciously, just setting the book in Belfast meant that my mum, all of my associations with Belfast and Northern Ireland, my mum is front and centre. So I think motherhood just kind of naturally became a big theme in the book. And I wanted to explore the idea of being motherless. And there's two, uh, I guess, layers to that in the book. Like Mary, the main character, her mum died when she was two. So you, you have this question, what is it like to grow up without a mother? You know, what kind of kid does that make you and how does that affect you as a, as a grown up? And then TJ, her son, waking up one morning and Mary just being not there. So viscerally disappeared. There one day, gone the next. So you have these two very different elements of absence, one long-term, one very immediate, and just kind of exploring that. Um, so yeah, it was it was a really interesting thing. And it's interesting like how you write, like, as, as I said, you write this draft, then I read it and was like, fucking hell, I know you've written a really dark book. And then there was about 12 more drafts of trying to shape the book and I've been trying to think about how to talk about how I wrote it and I was thinking of sculpt of a sculpture right imagine if you if you're going to design a sculpture and you have in your head exactly how you see it you have everything proportionally designed and engineered you get the pieces cut specifically beforehand and then you go and you piece them together on the plinth right my writing was like there was a massive big boulder and I had a chisel and a hammer and I was chipping trying to make a shape within that boulder. So it was like that. It was like trying to see this shape coming out of a story 
And then as the drafts kind of became more and more, it's trying to create this idea of suspense and trying to create this idea of giving the reader uh, like motivation to turn the page and having them invested into the story where they need to know what happens and when that happens, the timing, the rhythm. There's a lot of kind of parallels between DJing and, and writing a book, I've realised as well. Yeah. So much of it is about timing. But yeah, the whole the whole process I just found so interesting. But the, the first parts of just getting the story out was the really magical bit. And then the last parts of kind of making sure that everything felt authentic to Belfast. It jumps around in time loads. So you're like, she needs to be listening to the right song on the radio. And that policeman needs to be wearing the right type of uniform and the right model of car that will be happening in 1992 or whatever. That stuff I found really stressful because I was like, I have to get this right. Mm -hmm. And I haven't lived in Belfast for 20 years and all of that stuff was hard. So there was bits that felt like a proper slog when it came to the, the kind of fact checking and getting it right in terms of Belfast and a sense of place. And then there was bits that were just kind of wildly free and exhilarating. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mary's um, feelings of getting lost in motherhood yeah. are something that we all, in varying degrees, will feel at some point. I mean, her reaction to it without giving away too much of the book was very extreme. Mm. But we've all had those feelings where we perhaps feel a bit lost in being a parent. Um, how, how have you dealt with that? Because I'm not sure there are that, you know, anybody out there who's felt like, yeah, no, I really stuck to a sense of who I was throughout, you know, having a newborn baby right through the process of my kids growing up. What bits of parenthood have you really kind of had to stop and go, God, you know, because I quite often go outside of work, which is my main passion outside of, you know, family life. Yeah. What do I like? Yeah. What do I like? You know, and I knew before I had kids because I had loads of time and I would be, you know, going to gigs or just hanging out with friends or whatever and or painting. And I guess because I'm time poor because of the juggling of everything, I've sort of just balanced the two, family and work, and the rest is gone. And I'm fine with it. I'm very, very grateful for my setup and I'm really happy. But sometimes I still wonder, mm. what do I like? What do I like doing? <laughs> I totally know what you mean. <laughs> I, I mean, the way it worked for me was I got pregnant at 34 and I was literally in like at the peak of my career. And I mean that in terms of like, you know, where I was on DJ lineups and it felt like I'd really worked my way up. And I was at, I was at a point that I felt comfortable enough to step back and go, I feel feel like I'm I'm comfortable here. Um, it was still really, really fucking hard to step out of radio and get someone else to do your show. I, I, I found that aspect of it very difficult, but I was determined to crack on. I was like, I'm not going to let being a mother change me. I'm not going to let it change how I work. I was very conscious of the fact that I was one of few women in the situation that I was in when it came to DJing. 
and I felt a kind of, I guess, unconscious pressure to maintain being a woman and, 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 and being a mother because I didn't know anyone who was a mother and a DJ. So I cracked on and me and my husband, I mean, I don't want to speak for him, but I think he would agree in, you know, in saying that we, we just blagged it. We just, we were blagging it. I mean, all parents yeah, blag I'm blagging it, it every no day. One comes out, no one comes out fully qualified being a parent. Our life was very chaotic, very chaotic. It was all over the place. And um, I mean that in terms of kind of geographically, we were traveling all the time. It took us ages to, to get pregnant because we were both so unhealthy and all over the place. So that happened. And then when my second kid came along, I just felt tired, man. I was just, I came out the other end of that and was like, I am exhausted. And I don't know if I can go back to doing everything at once. And that coincided with being 40. And having this opportunity to take a breather and just look back for the first time. So I just, I guess, made a made a decision that things had to go. Life wasn't sustainable as it was. Things were going to have to go. I was going to have to make decisions about what I was doing and really decide what mattered to me. And then the pandemic happened and then it was even more of that case. It was like, okay, I'm like life is completely streamlined. This is what life is like without gigs. I'd always had this weird fantasy. What would it be like if I didn't DJ? You know, what if I just said no to everything, how would it feel? And the pandemic came on <laughs> and it was that. Yeah. And it, it, it is so profound because I realized I used to have this anxiety that would kind of kick in midweek of knowing that the weekend was, you know, of kind of in the way that we talked about with time, you know, in my head, categorizing all of the time of the weekend that I worked, counting the hours to the minutes sleep I would be able to get if I got out of the gig at that time and into the car and then got into the car and managed to do that sleep and then slept for two hours when I got home. And then I'd be able to do that play date before I would be able to then, you know, everything would be that counting hours, fighting tiredness, trying to be there really present when I was there, but being so tired all the time. And I didn't realize until the gig stopped how much of my life was just trying to delegate time in my head for my family and that constant conundrum of delegating hours and, 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 and how it could work. And, oh, it was just, even thinking about it now, it's, it's, it's it was fucking exhausting. Ugh. It was really exhausting. And listen, again, I don't want to sound like a moaner because DJing is an incredible job. And I was really lucky and privileged to be able to do these shows. And I still am, but stepping out of it made me realize how much of my life was kind of overwhelmed by it and I would go asleep at night and I wouldn't be able to sleep because I would be counting hours for the next day and the next days and trying to <laughs> it's just counting no, hours all it's the hell time. a lack of sleep oh. is just oh my gosh I'm so obsessed with sleep I you know I've had lots of sleep issues over the years and I don't know how you dealt with that. Like, I just, I know. I mean, I need to be in bed by 10. I really do. And if I'm not, it yeah. all goes very pear-shaped. So I'm not surprised there's been, for the last, you know, over a year and a half now, a, a slight sense of relief in the fact that you don't have to be on that 
crazy Ferris wheel so much. Yeah, yeah, I do. I feel very relieved and I feel like gigs are coming back, which is wonderful and they need to. And I have got gigs in for the autumn. I don't know how I feel about about them, if you know what I mean. I've kind of keep saying to my my management, I, I need to reserve the right to say no to these if they don't feel good. Yeah. I just have to, you know, yes, I will honor as many as I can, but if it doesn't feel right, then I, I just, I don't know. Isn't it like, funny? You know, I, like the, the gigs are always right. I just need to say that. Yeah, like yeah, the yeah. playing records to people is yes. always right. Yes. It's everything that comes with, with it. That. Yeah. And also you're a mum and you're at a different stage of your life. And this is the funny thing when you, when we're all evolving constantly, that's a very obvious thing to say, but but often we feel trapped in circumstance because it's either what we're used to or I certainly felt a fear when I was doing radio every day that if I didn't work that relentlessly and sometimes I'd go straight off to Celebrity Juice so I'd work from 7 till 11 at night and I and I kind of worried God babe what does it mean if I'm not doing that you know what what does that mean and I'm actually now enjoying sort of just pushing my ego to one side as much as I can because you can't ever unless you're like Eckhart Tolle but you know pushing my (laughs) ego over here a bit to just go it doesn't matter if people don't know what I'm doing as much or if I'm not like at the forefront of everything and really on it with everything and and knowing everything because again another thing with radio is you you know about a band before they even know they've started the band you know you're so ahead of it (laughs) and then now can I tell you, I'll admit something, and this is utterly tragic, but this is where I'm at. Last week, <laughs> yeah. I heard Harry Styles' Watermelon Sugar for the first time. Okay? Now, that's had about a billion streams. My kids were singing it. And I was like, that's a nice little song. What's that? And my son went, I know, my daughter went, oh, my teacher was singing it. It's Harry Styles. And I was like, oh, let's give that a listen. I was like, it's had a billion streams. I hadn't heard it. <laughs> I'm so, so, so out of the loop. It's actually terrifying. But I'm kind of enjoying just letting it all slide and just sort of enjoying the creative bit without worrying too much about where my position in it all is and what it means. And and this goes for anybody in any career or just anything in life. We feel like we've got to be knowing everything because of how the internet works and social media and we're bombarded by it. If you're not up to date with all of this info and news, that we're less of a person. And it's like, a hundred years ago, you only knew what was going on in your little town because <laughs> you wouldn't know, like there was no way of knowing anything else. So I'm going yeah. a bit back to that. Like I know if my neighbours are all right, but I don't know where Harry Styles is or what he's doing, yeah. which is fine. And I think it's quite exciting, but it's shit scary again because... When you're changing as a person, Mm. it's weird for you to get a bearing of what does this mean? But also people around you often don't know what to do. Like, what? You didn't used to be like that. Yes. Or I'm used to you always doing this. Why are you not doing this? Like, that's tricky. That was a a hard thing for me to navigate, actually. Other people's expectations. And again, like the idea of you, me, at the point, like having this, you know, really exciting prospects when it came to things like events, you know, doing conferences, doing festivals, doing all these amazing curated gigs. And it's like, actually, this isn't what I, like, I love these, but it's not what I dreamed of when I was 18. Like, this isn't, you know, this has not been a lifelong thing for me. And there's a lot of time being put into this. And if it came down to the, you know, which it did in the pandemic, it was like, is this what I want to do moving forwards? No, it's actually not. And so, so these decisions, I knew and I had conviction 
but there's a lot of other people around you who are invested in stuff and you have to be very respectful to everyone else who's invested in you up to this point. And then there's the element of the public perception also. You know, when I handed in the draft, the final draft of Mother Mother, sorry, it wasn't the final, it was kind of the third draft, but it it got sent out to publishing companies. So many rejections, so many, because people could not see me the public persona of me as someone who would write a book like this. They were like, where's the memoir? Where's the music? What you, we, we, we can't compute this. And I felt angry and frustrated at the time because I was, I was like, no, but this, this is me. Why can't you see that? But, you know, one person read it and, and cried and loved it. And she was the one who signed the book. And I'm so glad because she read it for the right reasons and that she wasn't really thinking of me. She was just into the story. And you know the way I said about how impatient I was about how long it would take for the book to come out. In retrospect, I needed that time to slowly shift people's perceptions about who I was and who they thought I was so that they could see me as someone who could write a novel. And it took it yeah. took a while. It took a while. But it I hope it happened. It's still happening. You know, you get hilarious messages someone on Twitter, when did Annie Mac turn into a fucking librarian? <laughs> no, babe, it's oh, gas. It's no, hilarious. I know. I get because it. Because I, I am so the person it. that people go and take their first ease to. Like, <laughs> what, what is this? You can't, what? It's, they can't compute. And it is weird. It is weird. But, yeah. but the thing is, it's like you said, we're all nuanced people. There's complexities to who we are. And it's okay to want to go out and dance like a lunatic and listen to really loud music but also to want to express yourself and write sad stories. You can do both. Yes, we're completely complex human beings. Like I I so know that feeling and I, I had that experience with my own shift, with my interests and just showing, not another side of me, but showing like the real side of me and people still sort of getting used to that or going, God, I haven't seen you on TV for years. Do you work anymore? And I'm like... Oh my God, yeah, every day. But let's, we don't need to get into that right now because that's just, you don't need to worry about it. Um, but I think what's striking me from having this conversation and also from, you know, knowing your interest in, in changing and what's going on with your podcast is we need to not only give ourselves room to change, which sometimes we're so reluctant to do because we're scared mm. or we don't know what it means, but also to give the people around us the opportunity to change. Sure. We can't hold people in the same light that we did on the day we met them. We mm. have to give everybody room to change. We have to give ourselves room to change. And then that goes into a whole other conversation, which would be another two-hour podcast, which is, you know, allowing ourselves to then make mistakes because we're trying new things. Absolutely. New. Letting other people make mistakes because yeah. they're trying new things. You know, we've got into this really dangerous territory of you have to get everything right and perfect and it has to be like this, otherwise you are cancelled and I'm not talking yeah. to you and I'm not looking yeah. over there. And it's like, fuck off. Let's just all keep growing and changing yeah. and expanding, making mistakes, learning from them, seeing where we end up. None of us know anyway. Yeah. None of us know. None like, of us know. We haven't got know. a clue. We are just staggering through life. Yeah. And I think I think the key is empathy and, yeah. and and space. You're right. Just allowing people space to get better, like and learn. That's what it's all about, really, learning, isn't it? That, that yeah. that's kind of part of the process for me anyway. Is Otherwise, this, what's the point of any of it? Yeah, it's turning forty and, and feeling this very visceral urge to learn something new in terms of a trade, but also learning about 
your limitations and your desires and your ambitions. Like the only way you can do that is if you allow yourself space to have these feelings and to have them grow. My God, we've got really deep, babe. I love it. No, it's great. I think when we stop learning or we feel we feel reluctant to learn anything new or we just shut off from it that's and I've certainly had this over the years that's when you start getting really stubborn and narrow-minded because you go well no you've got to be wrong and and you're wrong because you're not willing to learn about just the hugeness of everything there's always something new to learn there's always another perspective to see another angle Mm. to see it's not one thing ever and I think it's just so important and also I think there's a really lovely message that you're putting out here which is there's never a time that's too far down the line to just make changes absolutely you can can do it whenever and it's not just career centric this is anything in life you know we're never too far down the line to in in any job or circumstance or age or whatever Mm. to make a change to do the pivot. That's what Clara do Amphil the pivot. calls it. She's like, look, we love the pivot. Let's pivot. Do the pivot. <laughs> it's liberating. Oh, Annie, it's been so gorgeous talking to you. And as I said, I'll finish, as I mentioned earlier, by saying I, I loved reading your book. It was a wonderful slice of escapism when I climb into bed at 9.30 every night. And uh, I'm not even joking, unfortunately. I love um, it. And I really look forward to seeing where your creativity takes you next. It's really exciting thanks babe thanks for such a lovely conversation thanks for reading it thanks for caring thanks for your curiosity Uh, it's been lovely oh thank you Annie for making sure we keep our hearts and minds open to new opportunities for ourselves as well as giving the people around us space to grow and change too we've got to do it for ourselves and others That debut novel we were talking about is called Mother, Mother. And if you've been missing Annie's voice since she's been off air, you can, of course, listen to her brilliant podcast, Changes, wherever you're listening to Happy Place right now. Follow both of those podcast feeds while you're here so you don't miss a single episode of either. Thank you so much again to lovely Annie and good luck with this next adventure, Annie Mac. Thank you to the producer Anushka Tate at Rethink Audio and the biggest thank you to you brilliant people for listening and for being here with us. I love you. I'll see you soon. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com